What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod and our very special guest, assistant coach for Michigan State Basketball, Tom Kelly. Uh, before we start, I just want to remind you that we are having an Ask Me Anything show in probably a week or so, and so there's still time to get questions if you want. This is probably my last reminder since we've already had quite a few questions already, and so it can be basketball related, but anything you want to ask Rod or me is fine. And so just send those along to us. You can go to our webpage at thefinalforceontheschedule.com. Uh, you can... Or just email me, eric at tffinots.com. All right. Well, we're Thomas Kelly. He is a graduate of Union High School in Grand Rapids, a town where I live now. Uh, he played at Michigan State from 1994 through 1999 with one year where he had a medical redshirt. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, played in the Final Four in 1999. And then he played internationally for 15 years all over Israel, Amsterdam, Turkey, Austria, Finland, Hungary. I'm sure I missed some places too. He then, he, then, he then decided to go to the coaching ranks and became a grad assistant uh, for Tom Izzo from 2016 to 18 until he joined the Western Michigan staff and became an assistant coach from 2018 to 22 and then came back to East Lansing and joined the coaching ranks at Michigan State this summer. I guess it was probably like uh, June or July or something like that, right? I, uh, June, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So much for coming on. Welcome to the show. Man, thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, we kind of want to talk about a bunch of different things with you. It's a, you know, it's a real pleasure. All our fans here obviously want to find out anything they can about, you should say, people. So, especially a former player. And so, let's talk about that initially. You know, you were came from the Judd era. So, what was it that sold you in Michigan State? What brought you to Michigan State and to the program from Grand Rapids? Well, to be honest, I always tell people this: like, uh, I probably knew I was going to go to Michigan. I wanted to go to Michigan State when I was in like sixth grade. Started back, <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, uh, my sixth grade uh, coach, uh, you know, school coach, he took us on a tour to Lansing, and, and he also went to Michigan State too. He's a police officer that went to Michigan State too. So we came, we came out here and took me to Lansing. And you know, as a kid, I thought that was the the greatest thing ever to come down here and experience that. But also, you know, with my parents, uh, my mom, my mom always was on me about you know not. You know, not going far away. I want you to go to Michigan State, but it's your choice, all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. and you know, then being a Bat Magic Johnson fan, Steve Smith fan growing up, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, being around as a, as a school kid in elementary, and and it just stuck with me, man. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, here I am. I, I'm playing against Lansing Sexton as a sophomore. And uh, uh, Sadie Washington, uh, Coach Mitchell, we, we had some good battles. We, um, uh, we ended up beating them my sophomore year. Then I remember it was on a Friday, that Monday, Coach Izzo was in the gym. 
and the rest was history. You know, Coach Izzo was assistant then. And, and so, yeah, I think I've known Coach Izzo since I was like 14, 15 years old. So <laughs> we go way back. So it's just, it started from there. But I always had Michigan State in my blood, to be honest. I genuinely did. It was the first school that grew on me. And, and the rest is history. Now, you mentioned Coach Izzo being, your, I guess, your primary recruiter among the assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've heard Mateen Cleves say this many, many times, that when he was being recruited by, by Coach Izzo, part of the pitch, even then, was always about going to a Final Four, winning a national championship at Michigan State. Was that the same message you were getting? You were a little earlier than Mateen. Yeah. Was that the same message you were getting from him even then? Yeah, well, because it was already like people always say, yeah, I, yeah, of course I play when you're in the job, but you know, I knew Joe was leaving. You know, what I mean, like you know, you you just don't sign up for a coach that's gonna have one year. So, I I I knew we all knew coaches was gonna be the coach in waiting. It was already stated and known, but he was all he. I mean, he's always talked about winning. Always talked about those same things. Want to win. Want to build something special and all that. He's always been about that. And it's just funny that he's crazy. You say Mateen Cleese was my guy. It's just that's what it was about, you know. And that's and that's what and coach has stuck with it through the whole time. That's what we built on. That's what he's always talked about from back then. I don't want to age myself, but back then, <laughs> right, right. Now you you mentioned you mentioned playing uh, your first year which was Judd's last year. Yes. And that was a really good team. A lot of our listeners are old enough to remember Sean Respert, Eric Snow, yeah. Fire and Ice, all those guys. Kind of a disappointing end, but a great regular season. It was a great um, What were the differences? I know you only got the Judd experience for one year, but again, those of us who are old enough to remember know that he was a, he was a unique guy as a coach. <laughs> what were the differences like in playing that year under Judd versus what came later in your career under Coach Izzo, was there much of a difference? Uh, not really. Um, what a difference was, you know, to me, I, you know, you know, both of them have 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 their uh, comedian ways. I mean, they they are they are fun to listen to and talk because they because Judd to me was very comical. You know, he always has yeah. good one liners, good things to say, but. You know, you know, you know, he was at the end, so it was like a fun ride at that time. And for me, I was the only freshman on that team because I was the only incoming freshman, so I didn't have nobody to take my lumps <laughs> with. So I had to deal with carrying the camera quitting and a lot of that stuff on my own. So it's, that's a different story. But but no, to be honest, it was uh, not a lot. I mean, you could just tell what, what coach getting a job. You know, you know, everything ramped up. The energy ramped up. You know, the different. You know the seriousness, you know, the things, you know, because that last year with Judd, it was a, it was a senior, a veteran led team. We could talk about right. Eric Snow, you know, Jamie Fike was older, you know, yeah, Quinn Brooke, all these guys were older than, right. you know, it's an older group. So it was a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more, you know, it really was a player led team. And when we got what coach is, you know, what you, you want to build to a player-led team. We were a coach-led team, because which we kind of had to be because he was trying to implement his ways, implement what he wanted, and, let, you know, have to change some things because he was just getting started, whereas Judd was on the back end. So that's what a big difference was. So I got – you get a lot of – it was fun, and all of a sudden, boom, it ramps up. You know, so that's – and that's that was the big difference because, you know, coach was – he was ready to go as soon as, you know, the wheels was running as soon as he touched the floor. Right. 
So you played a long time internationally, we just, you know, 15 years. Yeah. What was it like playing overseas and living overseas and, uh, and was, you know, basketball a lot different than it was back in college? I mean, how, what are the differences that you well, noticed? Well, the difference was, well, the first thing was, uh, you know, the 24 second shot clock, you know, things like that, the rules of, you know, I remember how they called the it traveling and things like that. It's kind of like a different sport in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. Cause it was like, I remember the first time I caught an outlet pass playing point guard and, and I tried to dribble when nobody around me, I got a travel card on me. And I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> but learning to slow things down, how they see things, how they call the game. But, you know, that's a whole different thing. But the one thing, you know, I, you know, about Europe, I, well, I knew coming out of Michigan State, I knew I had a lot of basketball left, the injuries I battled. So, but it's like going to Europe, it was actually, being honest with you, I, I was blessed to go to some good, some fortunate situations. But it's like reinventing myself, kind of. You know, it's like mm -hmm. reinventing myself. Now I can, you know, now, you know, you get the ball in your hands, you're playing. And, and like I told Coach, I said this in a meeting the other day, and I didn't want to say that to Coach. I wanted to say it more privately, but I said, you know, we had a you know, meeting with some players and stuff. And I just was like, you know, when I got to playing pro ball, a lot of what I gained from Michigan State, you know, by being a leader, being accountable, you know, being, you know, a lot of, lot of the work at the things I've had, Help me be a, a pro for a long time. You know what I'm saying? That's how I was, you know, the discipline of it. That's the one thing I love about the job and the sport, playing the sport is the discipline. People understand because you have to live a certain lifestyle to, to last this long and do what you do. So the lifestyle I gained from Michigan State, which I never understood it with Coach, we fought it in the beginning because, like I said, that's a change. But once I bought in, that helped me become a better pro, being honest with you. So I, I just think, you know, getting over there and getting to Europe, you know, and then it's like, you know, honestly, it's pressure because, you know, being a foreigner, you know, when they come to that stat sheet, man, they're going to talk about the coach. The first thing they're going to look at, they can say what they want. It's going to look at what the foreigners do, what the, because you're there for a reason. So if you're performing and you're doing well, it's cool. If you're not, I'd have been in the layup line and you look up in the crowd when I was in Israel and, one of the power fours I played with, they had us a replacement in the stands. So it was like, ooh, you know, it, wow. it, it, can, get, it can get tough. It can get tough for you. So, and that kept me always to stay in shape. And like I said, a lot of things I learned from college, I really, I really bought into that and it helped me become a better pro. Now, I, you know, you speaking about that, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most all of those leagues have just a limited number of slots. Yes. On any on their roster, they can use for foreigners, right? So yes, they do. So you have to produce. Yes. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm glad you said that because that is the truth. Some countries are more than others. Like you know, being a hungry may have five. Some like in Germany may have six or seven. Some countries you only have three. You know, you have a lot of you have a lot of things. You know, you know a lot of things like that. So that put pressure on you. That's why I would say you know stats don't matter. No. Stats don't matter, but in a lot of cases it does. But it's how you get your numbers. Like I used to tell you, you know, I, you know, been been playing so long, you know, playing with a lot of young guys. You know, when I was on the other, getting older, and playing with some other foreigners, like, hey, you don't have to force your numbers. They happen because when you force it, it don't look good and all that. You don't want to look at selfish because you know now you're talking about the barriers where you don't talk the same kind of language that they talk especially the earlier half of my career, everybody can speak English. Of course, 
early in my career is a little harder. So body language and things like that matter. So if you act aggressively in some Europeans, it can be a standoffish. So you have to learn how to carry yourself. You got to learn how to, you know, be positive and things like that. And like you say, you will get your numbers because, you know, like, but don't be selfish because you got to keep them involved. So it's just right. a lot of little things you got to learn dealing with playing in Europe that people just don't understand. They just go over there and score and score and play and play. It don't work like that. Cause then you catch yourself on bad teams and catch yourself. Your money's not improving. You're not getting better situations and you stuck or you're not, you're not furthering your career. I, I have not had the, uh, the pleasure of being, of, of being able to attend any European professional games in person, but from what I've seen on television, some of those leagues, those crowds get pretty crazy. Yes. How did um how did it compare to playing on the road in the Big Ten? Let's say. Uh, you know it, that helps. Like, I mean, so I another another thing of being fortunate, I was able to steal a win out, out of every team in the Big Ten. You know, so <laughs> on the road, I'm talking about. So right, you know, I, I won at, at Mackey Arena, which is tough. I won at Indiana my senior year. You know, at when Bobby Knight was there, and and oh, you talking about loud? I remember that week because I remember that week they had AJ Guyton, who was tough. Much respect for him. I just he has. Oh a, yeah, AJ Guyton was tough, and I remember we practiced that week all week with the scoreboard on and playing loud music. So we had to learn how to talk with that with that in that environment, and it was tough. It, it was a great preparation because I remember. AJ Guyton gave us like 17 in the first half, and he went up the court doing this to the crowd. And literally, you could feel the floor shaking. And I'm like, whoa. And but it was like we kind of laughed about it because we was like, you know, we 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 ready for it, you know. And we ended up getting out of there with a win. I had to work my butt off in the second half to try to try to help help slow him down. But that was tough. Mackey was tough. You know, Minnesota in them good years with Bobby Jackson them. The barn yeah. is tough to play at. So it did, it does prep. Of course, in Europe, it's a little smaller. Like I played at Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel, which hey, hold around 10,000 there, which was solid. But I remember my the one really place that stick out to me the most was I played in Turkey, got a Tesseract. Raymar Morgan is playing there now, I think, as we speak. But I played there and I remember we was playing against uh, Fenerbahce. They already big soccer rivals too. Yep. So I remember playing them. And, and, you know, I remember it was crazy. We had to warm up with them because our our fans was throwing milk cartons at them. And, <laughs> you know, they like fireworks. And, like, so they couldn't warm up on their on own size. So we had to warm up together, which was a first for me. I'm like, this is weird. But I remember that game and it got so bad because they, they was firing off like M80 bombs in the gym. It was crazy. <laughs> So that game, I remember they had to stop the game and they kicked majority of the fans out. And I remember the game. I I remember because I, I hit a like a Florida shot, a game winning shot on in that game. And I remember the crowd was waiting on me. And you know, that's if you know lifting you on your shoulders. It was like you talking about like 10,000 people. And I was like, whoa, this was scary. So that was the the one time where it really, really stuck. My 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 team in Sona. They fans was wild, but they had like five or six thousand people, a little smaller, like a high school size gym. And yeah. there at that place, because I won, I won a couple of championships there. So I remember the we we felt so good at home. 
mind me, I don't want to get off topic, but I'm, I'm still mad about my former teammate, Dewan Wiley. He was playing a hunger <laughs> at the time. We had an over a year win streak at home and his team came in there to beat me. I ain't like, <laughs> but that's my, that's he one of my best friends. I love him to death. He was playing in this team called Falco. Uh, Marvin Clark played there too, won a championship. This is crazy how it goes, but we was playing them and it gets so bad that our fans, we got to put like a hockey glass over the visitor's bench because our fans can't get to them because our fans was wild. See, that that's that's what I was trying to get at because, you know, we know Mackey and Assembly Hall yeah. and all those places get loud, yeah. but they're not having to put plexiglass protection no, the no, or have fans lighting off M80s. It's right, a different thing over right, there in some of those leagues. Right, right. Because I remember uh, I won the Hungarian Cup in 07. And I remember, you can't do this now. But I remember they was lighting them um, in the gym. I mean, I wish I could send you guys a link. It was crazy. In the gym, they was lighting them little um, them little uh, flare things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them are fire hazard. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> but at the time, we was a lot of TV. We was playing. We winning. Our fans was really doing that inside the gym. And I'm like, that is crazy. You know, but they, you know, of course, times have changed. They're more stricter about it. But that time, it was it was great to be a part of it. So so going back real quickly to the Big Ten experience then, you mentioned Mackey and Assembly Hall and Williams Arena. Would those be that – which of those in your experience was the toughest place to play in in the league? Yeah, I thought, I thought yeah. Well, at the time, I thought uh, Indiana was tough. Semi Hall was tough. Well, Mackey is always tough, man. I mean, Mackey yeah. always been. I mean, and they always play so physical and tough. So it's it's tough to win at Purdue. Tough to win. And to be honest with you, you catch it the right year everywhere in the Big Ten is tough. To be honest, because sure. even like uh, I was joking with Jess Settles, he called our last game against Brown. And Jess yeah. Settles, we was talking about the battles him and I had. We we was talking about the battles we had because that is crazy. That Turkish team, so you can imagine the conversation we had when I played in Turkey and got in Tesla, I played with Roy Harrison, who was at Purdue at the time. They your and J.R. Cox was at Iowa at the time. Yeah. We all was on the same team. So we used to sit at dinner. Of course, we had these big 10 battles and talk. They talking about the Brezen was tough to play at. But I'm like, man, Mackey Arena, man. Mackey Arena said that's probably the top one. Well, I think for my time, Indiana, somebody is very tough too. Yeah. You know, along the same lines, you know, we've we talked a lot. It I you remember Scott Skiles, of, of course, course. And he seemed right. And he drew energy from the, the negative energy from fans. Yeah. And that was, you know, part of his thing, right? But yeah. there are definitely some instances where you go into arenas and there's nobody there or they're very quiet, like, you know. We always joke about Bryce Jordan, you know, Penn State, which is yes. kind of like a catacomb, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you as a player, because you're used to that energy to feed off that even as a visitor, how do you generate that sort of energy when you're in a place that, you know, doesn't have much going on? Or, you know, maybe even like these preseason tournaments. That's tough because you got to think that's pro basketball too. You got a lot of that NBA arena sometimes, you know, you, you know, it's quiet in the beginning or like even in Europe, you have some moments like that where it's kind of quiet. You play a smaller club that don't have the attraction like that, but to be honest, that's where you want to have player-led teams, though. See, like, I was I was on a part of it, like, um, you know, on both sides. Like I said, a coach the beginning years going to the NITs and all when we're trying to break through and fight. And we wasn't right. a, 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 we wasn't we wasn't like that at the time to compare it to the back end before I left. 
So it was like, I got to see that where you, it was like that a little bit. Like, you know, we play some teams, the crowd would be okay. You know, it was okay. But, and, you know, it was like, but then when we became, you know, I guess we were the hunter or the hunted, you know, when, when we was becoming a hunted, that's when teams really like, you know, okay. You know, now, regardless of where we go, we knew we had to, you know, like, and then we lost a tough game at UConn my senior. But it's just like, you know, that's when you want to have player-led teams because we have a player-led team, you, you you get it from within. That's where the family, that's where the me against the world, and we and we really live that. And that's where it comes in. I think you're talking about a guy like Mateen Cleese, Antonio Smith, you know, all them guys like that. Like we had to, we 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 brought it from within, and that's what you got to have. We got and we was able to maintain that because you got to have you got to have a player led team when it comes from that. And then like and it was fortunate with us because we have Coach Izzo being younger and and you know which he still ain't changed at all. But you got uh <laughs> you got Mike Garland who the same way. You know, Stan, he, you know, so all our coaches brought it too. So it was easy to be like that. So you, but you got to have it within though, in places like that. Like you said, like Penn State, you know, sometimes the crowd can be, you know, it, you know, hit or miss or, you know, whatever you want to call it. You got to have it within because that's then, because those are games where you can, what they call them trap games, you know, them yeah, games right. you get stuck in because you, you ain't, you don't got that discipline like that. So you got to have a player led team. Turning to to coaching now, um, what you were just talking about uh, mm -hmm. raised a question in my mind. You know, you hear Coach Izzo talk a lot about the culture of Michigan State's program, you know, maintaining it, reestablishing it, all of those things. You were a guy who, as a player, was there in the very beginning of that, you were on the ground floor with some of those guys you just mentioned. Yes. Now with you as a coach, and I know coach Montgomery obviously played at MSU too, but he didn't play under, under Izzo as yeah. a head coach. Right. Do you feel like that maybe, you know, that's got to get transmitted. And I know that the ideal always seems to be, well, you want your older players, your veterans to transmit the culture to the younger guys, but, you seem to be in kind of a unique spot because you played in this program and Tom Izzo's program. Do you feel like that gives you maybe a little different kind of insight when dealing with the current players and trying to get the, the program fundamentals established with the young guys, especially? Oh, no doubt. I mean, because to be real with you, I'm actually getting goosebumps with you saying that, to be honest, because to be real with you, it's, um, you know, you don't want them to take that stuff for granted. No, they wouldn't. Right. They never have to experience what I've experienced, of course. You know, but I would say some things, you know, reinventing the wheel and all of that. No, no. Hey, what we build and what we start and what we're on, you know, it came from someplace. And don't take that for granted. Because, I mean, it wasn't always like this. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't. It was like we go 17 or 18 and 12 coach second year coaching. We get, we get into the tournament now in today's culture. We wasn't yeah. Michigan state back then. So we took pride in that, you know, to break through like that coach takes pride in that. So we just, my thing is I don't like these young guys that's in their window right now. I would say a player is in their window right now when they're in college, you in your playing window. Don't take none of that for granted that you're in your window and, you know, and, and all of the stuff that we've accomplished, don't just think it's just going to be given to you. You know what I mean? It was, it was earned to get here and y'all got to keep that going. You know, understand what I'm saying? Because we mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't like that. We had to earn it. We didn't have to grind, like you said, from bottom up 
to grind them three them, them hours of practices and three hours long. They couldn't even imagine it. So it's like, don't take that for granted. You know, approach it different. Approach it and and approach it to the point like this where it ain't just it ain't just about y'all names on the back of the jersey. Old school saying, which is the truth, it's always about the front of the jersey. And I'm always mm -hmm. about them on that one. Like, hey, y'all gotta really be about this. Because at the end of the day, when when the smoke clear, to being honest with you, all the, like you said, I've played a lot of places. All our, all these pros played NBA guys. That this moment, you in this this moment right here, you ain't gonna ever probably stick in this situation like this when you you at a certain place for a certain amount of years, you know, four or five years. How long you're here now with COVID, it could be six years. But I'm just saying, you're <laughs> in a spot for this long. You gotta embrace that. You gotta because you're gonna catch yourself coming back here, and you, you're gonna want that same culture and that same environment. You know, you want things to be more carried on. So I, I, I'm I'm big on that. Yeah, I mean we the the name of our podcast is the final four is not on the schedule, which is something I've heard Tom Ezzo say many times because the, the fans especially yes. start believing that oh yeah you know every they March they take right right I mean no. I, look I'm. I'm old enough as a fan. I remember the 1980s where we went to the NCAA tournament two out of 10 years. Right. You know? Come That's on, the man. real world. That's the real world, man. And that is, this is not fantasy. That day, hey, much respect for it. Because people don't understand that grind. That's why I say, I always say, I've seen the NIT in the final form. I, that's the that's the blessing because I know, like, you know, dealing with the players, what you're talking about, I know when you're, when you're cutting a corner with me. I've been on right. teams like that, but also been on teams that, you know, we you held each other accountable too. Not to say our old, older teams, our young, my early years, we didn't. We just didn't know how to go about it. You understand what I'm saying? We didn't know. And it was a little selfish and everybody wanted to establish themselves. Whereas on my back, the back end of my career, where everybody was held accountable, everybody was together. And that's where coach, that's what he's always been about. That's when it all happened. You know what I mean? So I know dealing with these players, I know y'all, y'all can't run one on me. I've been, I've been high. I know how <laughs> it goes. Well, I mean, you obviously, you know, you, you finished playing your playing professionally and then you went into coaching. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, you look at grad assistants at, on the bench, I mean, you're a grad assistant. You're kind of an old guy. Yeah, I was. <laughs> a grad assistant, yes, right? I was, man. I was. And, and, it, <laughs> and so what made you decide to do that and kind of, I mean, to transition? Did you kind of look around and think, boy, I'm like 20 years behind these guys? Or, I mean, how did, how did you kind of approach that? Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, Coach and I had a conversation. I was, you know, I, it was one of them years where I went later in Europe and uh, I was able to come to a football game and stuff. So mm -hmm. he, he kind of. We talked about it at the football game. We sitting in the crowd. We kind of briefly talked about it, and he thought I should I should get into it. You know, don't be playing just to be playing. But you know, basketball my passion. All the injuries I had, I I just had a lot of basketball left in me. So I was like, no, I'm not gonna play just to play. But he put that in my head. But I always kind of knew, you know, you know, I used to you know everybody train kids. I started training kids. I used to do free camps and stuff in the early 2000s because I was always my way of giving back. To, to the inner city and Grand Rapids because, you know, just said basketball is always a draw. So I always would do something free for the kids. So I knew, I knew I didn't want to, I know training was a way to get to the kids. I knew I just didn't want to train. I, I wanted to be more impactful, you know? So I, you know, that's why I went coach when he, when we had that talk 2012 or something like that, I, and that, uh, that stuck in my head. And I was just like, you know what? And the things happened. I ended up getting injured my last year, but things just, it just all lined up. 
it all lined up. So I was like, you know what? You know, I had a good run. You know, I could have tried to push it, but I had a great run for, like I said, 15 years. Let me just go ahead. How things lined up, talking to Coach, then talking Coach Israel, then talking to Coach Garland. I was just like, it was just a great opportunity for me to do it. You know, I said, let me just go ahead and get into this because, I mean, this is something that I, I know I wanted to do when I was young. My mom knew I wanted to be a coach because I was I used to do a little bit of it. Like, uh, in like summertime in high school, I joke around with kids and coach them and have a good time with them. So it was always in me. And it just lined up as soon as I got done planning, lined up perfectly. So as we talked about at the outset of the episode, you started your after your your grad assistant time at Michigan State, you started uh, your assistant coaching tenure with several years at Western Mm -hmm. um, and then came back to the alma mater this summer. What are some of the and I know you're only six months into this stint, but what are the thing, what's the thing or things that stand out most to you in terms of differences between coaching at those two levels, you know, at the, the Mac mid-major level and now at the Big Ten? Because I think I think people might think that it's harder at the higher level, but there are challenges I know, big challenges when you're working at a smaller program. So what are the what are the differences that stick out in your mind? between coaching at those two places? No, you're a great question, great point, because, you know, when you're at a mid-major level, you don't have the manpower or the staff that you have. So it's like when you're at a mid-major level, when I'm at Western Michigan, shout out to Coach Bates and Coach Hawkins giving me the first opportunity to do it, and especially dealing with Coach Bates, who, you know, he put a lot more on my plates. So now when you when you at the mid, when you at the mid-major level, you know, you really got to worry about the study table. You got to worry about the, you know, uh, the care hours, like how many times, you know, what can you, what can you do on the court, off the court? You know, you got to worry about the equipment. You got to worry about, you got a lot of things that's on your plate at the mid-major level because you don't have the manpower. Whereas now at Michigan State to what the program has built to, it's just, you know, you, you, you have a lot of people, like you said, I, Austin Thornton video coordinator is great. You know, you got, you got a lot of, a lot of people where a lot of, most importantly, have a lot of different eyes. So, for example, when, you know, we finna play a school or team or say we play in Kentucky or wherever, you have so many different eyes, you know, because you got, you know, you got, we got grad assistants that play, we got managers that know, we got, you know, like I said, video coordinators, you got all the coach, you got so many eyes that can, that can view this game and view things that some that say if it's, if it's my scout that I didn't see, you're able to pick up on that, you know what I mean? But whereas you're at the mid-major level, you kind of got to do it on your own. You know, you kind of got to, you know, you trading on your own, which is good or bad, but on the great thing is it helps you grow as a coach because it gives you more responsibility, you know? Right. So you felt prepared when yeah. you stepped up to right, Michigan right, State because right, you right. had to do all those things. Right, right. But but also, of course, nowadays, you know, the, the pressure heightens now, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you're talking about these uh, carrier, uh, the, the, the aircraft carrier games and the, you know, the, 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 the pressure games like that. But yeah, it, it did a good job of getting me prepared for this. Speaking of the aircraft carrier, I mean, what was it like coaching there? I mean, obviously you didn't have an experience like that as a player or even as a coach at Western. Right, right, right. Because they did it earlier on but you're talking about, I mean, that's a, that's kind of like a, how can I put a, say a bucket list thing or yeah, I mean, that's right. just something that you just can't, you can't even imagine, man. Like, like I said, like, 
like you know, those are things where I could I could soak up forever. You know, what I mean, like I I could live. I, that's gonna something I, I can we can people want to talk about forever. I mean, because it now I did get a little chilly at night. You know what I mean? But <laughs> but I mean, it was it, man, that was that was incredible. I mean, you talking about? Of course, it was you know smaller crowd, but you can feel the intensity. You can see how they had things set up, man. I mean, it was like you you riding up on a little elevator type thing where it holds. So me, I mean, it, it was incredible, man. That was an incredible experience. That I, I you know, I, that was priceless. It really was. Yeah. You know, we had we had Mike Garland on uh, a while ago, and and he was talking about coaching and, and fixing mechanics, and like with shooting, for instance. You know, yeah. and you know how to. Is that something that you can do mid season, or is that or something like a shoot, fixing shooting mechanics? Is that like a is that something you kind of have to do on off season? Because you know we've seen a big cha- jump with uh, with Hogard from last year to this year, and then people talk about well you know Holloman's trying to figure things out. I don't know if it's you know a confidence issue or if it's a technique issue, but are those things like in this these three weeks you kind of have before you get into the thick of it, the rest of the Big Ten season? Is this the chance to do those sorts of things? Yeah, it is. I mean, you try to jab at it, uh, you know, you know, get it in as much as you can at these times of years. But you had a good point. I, I'll call them bank deposits bank deposits are done in the summer mm-hmm. bank deposits. I mean, because there's not, not too much going to change during the year because it's games. Even then you got to rest your body. You got film, you got so much stuff going on that it's hard to change that during the year, but your bank deposits, you better make sure you put them bank deposits in over them summer months to April, to May, to June, July, or put them bank deposits. In. And it's funny you bring somebody like AJ, AJ Hogard, who, who, Put a lot of bank deposits in. He worked mm-hmm. hard. He worked hard. He's worked hard. And so I still got work to do, but he's worked hard. And, and I'm glad you guys like yourself are able to see his growth. Whereas Trey Holloman is working hard. He's he's going to, you know, it's hard to see it now because you see him every day or he's at it every day. But, you know, it, it's going to be a time to show his time is going to come. He just got to keep putting them bank deposits in, as I call them, because you're going to cash in on them sooner or later. And AJ's starting to do that right now, which is, I, I think that's the greatest thing about being in coaching. To be honest, we're yeah. able to see the the growth of now as a, as a player in person and, and young men. I mean, I, that's that's priceless to me too. That's why I know for a coach, I see why he gets emotional a lot of times. Like when I got the Western Michigan job, he teary eyed, he red faced, he happy for me because you just see the growth of you know he's seeing me take a step. I'm about to step out. When you see somebody like AJ Hogard who couldn't shoot, now you see him grow. I just think I just think that's great when a player get to get the get the fruits of their labor. And and so much of that, you know, I think sometimes fans think that you guys are with them every minute of every day in the off season and it's not like I mean by NCAA rule it's not yeah. like that. Right. So <laughs> It really comes down to these guys being self-motivated, right? They've got to want it. Yes. Player-led teams. What we talked about earlier when you talking about when you asked the question about planning, you know, you know, environments that may not be like the Braves, you know. You gotta that though those are all things about a player-led team. Our coach is always big on bringing somebody with you. Cause I I'm I example, I'm trying to turn a corner as a player and I'm going to the Brazen at one in the morning. You know, summertime, you know, midnight, and I'm going by myself. And Morris Peterson was my roommate. You know, I, I, I'm I'm telling myself like, hey man, after a while, I'm like, hey man, you got to start coming to the gym with me, man. You know what I'm saying? He like, 
no, I mean, you know, trying to get him out of his way. He's like, hey, man, you got to start coming to the gym. Me. First of all, it was hard to go by myself. But second of all, I was like, you know, we got to start getting better. And it's just like you said, bringing somebody with you and them a team with us, you know, and everybody going. But it's like, coach is big on bringing somebody else with you. So when you go into the gym like that, like, to your point, you know, you can't be there by yourself. Shout out to the managers that do a great job. But it's like, even then, it's like, they got classes. They got things they got to do. We all, it, it's too much. And, we, and we're not allowed to do certain things. So they got to be holding themselves accountable. They got to. And that's, and that's what we built on. Speaking of before we before we turn to this year's team, one more question I wanted to ask you about coaching. Now that you're heavily involved in recruiting, well, you've been involved in recruiting your time at Western, but now doing it at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you hear and, and everybody does this, not just fans of sports teams talk about oh, kids today. They're so different than we were when we were growing up. You know, they're lazy. They don't want to work hard. All these things kind of we were just talking about, right? Do you see any fundamental difference between the guys you're recruiting now and who you were or the guys you knew when you were in high school and being recruited? Is there any difference at all? I mean, I mean, yeah, no. I always say you can't reinvent the wheel of things. Like you said, recruiting, you know, at this level, I mean, it's like this. Like, yeah, I mean, just nowadays it's – it's easier to get recruited now, if that makes sense, because of social sure. media and the platform you have, it's easier. Because my day is like going to five-star camp was a big, our thing was going to camps back then, five-star right. ABCD camp, Robert Taylor, we, we won ABCD. It's like, you got to go to camps. Or, and back then, AAU was kind of like AAU. And what I'm saying is, you know, like you had to finish like, for us to go to the Nationals in, in AAU in high school, you got to finish the top three teams in your state. So you know what I mean? So whereas now in AAU, it don't really matter. You know, you if you got the funds or you got, you know, you got things going, you can get to you can play AAU. So it's like, I just think it's the it's easier to get recruited now. Easier to get recruited. I get to this level, you still it's, it's still hard, of course, but it's easy to get recruited. But to be honest to your point, it ain't it ain't that much difference, man. I mean, as far as, you know, yeah, you know, um, uh, players are more opinionated, you know, they, they, they haven't, they have more, they, they have options. They can, they, their opinions are more heard. Whereas in our day, we didn't, we didn't know any better. So if you tell us to run through this brick wall, we're going to try to do it. And which nowadays these guys, these players, you, you do have players that would do that, but some players may ask the question, like, why do I got to run through that brick wall? You know, what is that doing for me? You know what I'm saying? They, you know, dealing with the NIL stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like you got a lot of things that factor in with this now that that I couldn't even imagine dealing with it. You know what I mean? But I think honestly, like I say, can't really invent the will because you know a good player is a good player, and you know baggage is baggage. You know you got to try to weed through that. But uh, it's it's it just I just think nowadays players got a little bit more, a little bit more of a say so. To what they because you know like so with the transfer stuff and all of that you know everybody you know they ain't happy whereas in my day you probably get 20 transfers in a year whereas nowadays yeah. you're getting thousands of transfers because you know players you know able to have an opinion or want something whereas i think in my day we did try to fight through some things sometimes you know we, we tried to fight through to you know to you know, we we weren't say you're trying to run from it. Just we just didn't feel we had the op- that wasn't an option for us. Right. 
you know, yeah. whereas now they, they have the option. Now. I, w- I was watching, uh, I was watching an interview with coach Izzo this week that he did. And he was talking about when, uh, I think this was a conversation he said he had with magic mm-hmm. where he said, he asked magic, did, did magic think he could coach in the NBA? And he said, absolutely. Because the great ones want to be coached. They yeah. want to be held accountable. So in that sense, it's probably not any different than it ever was at at a fundamental level. Right. Right. That the guys who really want to be great want that they want someone to hold them accountable. They want someone to coach them hard. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. I mean, and and that's and that's at any level, because as that's like always saying your best players, your hardest workers. Right. Right. They want to be coached that way. You know, and that's where, you know, when when you know when you have that it makes it all easier when you have that. But a lot of cases, if you don't have it, you know, that's where problems can come in because now you, you know, you, you know, your best players is your laziest player. That's a, that can be an issue because now you, you got to address his issues and that's, that's holding your, that's hurting your credibility as a coach with other players. So if your hardest worker is your best player, that's at any level. That makes every trans, that makes every coaching job easy. (laughs) To that point with the the team this year, you know, you mentioned a player led team, I th- everyone I've heard Izzo talk or this season, he doesn't seem like he's convinced yet it's a player-led team, but it's getting there, you know? Mm-hmm. Who do you see as emerging leaders in this team? Are they just your seniors, or do you see players kind of stepping up and trying to take over those reins? Uh, well, no, I mean, yeah, you see it. Like, you know, I know it's been a it's been a great lesson for Malik Hall to the point where first thing first, after I can relate to him as far as, like, the uh, injury part of things, mm-hmm. where you – you know, you feel bad, you know, basketball gotten taken away from you. And you realize how bad you miss it. Jay Nakins, which I've had the same injury he's had. So it's like, you learn to appreciate that. But somebody like Malik Hall, who's seeing things now, seeing things from a different perspective. So he's able to, he's already doing a pretty good job of speaking up. Now he's even more, he's gotten better at it. You got AJ Hogarth, who's embracing this role. It's getting better at it. Tyson Walker, better at it. You know, so guys are, getting opportunities right now to really, really step up, you know, and like I said, not more on and off the court guys are really, this team is really embracing that and understanding you got to have all hands on deck too. But those guys are few that come to my head that really are standing out. Jay Nakins is coming. Guys are buying into new roles, new things, you know, and, 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 and leadership comes with that. They say AJ's doing it. I said Malik Hall's doing a good job. Joey Hauser's going into that role. So it's, it's 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 a it's a collective thing, but guys are starting to starting to see their worth now on and off the court. Right now, you're a few days into this, I guess, for lack of a better term, this break. It probably hasn't felt like much of a break for you guys on the staff because <laughs> I know you've been out. You've been every, out on every the, day, man. Every day, and all that. Yeah. But but for the team, at least, it's it's finally an opportunity. You know, over the next three weeks, really to work on themselves you're not necessarily game planning all the time so given that we're in that period where where are the areas that you think it's most important for this team to improve upon as they get into january and back into big 10 play where we know it all really matters you know every game where do they where do the biggest steps need to happen for this group first thing on that the very first thing is health getting healthy yeah. we gotta get healthy so malik hall guys like that taking care of their bodies jay nakins getting back right 
you know, even little knick-nagging injuries. The main thing is you want to have, get healthy because, you know, better. it's always better to have bodies, available bodies. So that's the first thing about getting healthy. And then also continue to work on ourselves, like you're talking about ourselves, or you're talking about our offense, you know, things, you know, getting better with that chemistry because now, you know, you implement new new guys coming back and all of that. So off, offensively taking advantage of that. But just the overall thing, though, because, you know, it's like I said, all hands with that, you know, we, we can't forget now that our defense has, has been very good. Can it get better? Yes. Been very good for us offensively. Been pretty good. Had some good moments. We can shoot the ball. We can work on things. Like you said, we just overall just working on ourselves. The first thing that comes to mind for me is the health part. You know, getting guys healthy because I think if we get guys healthy, I think with, with the balance that we have, we got we got we got great guard play. We got you know the way Monty has grown as a player. You know, you know then you can say you got you got veterans like Joey Howell, guys like Malik Hall who can do like guys like Pierre Brooks playing into their role. Trey Holliman's giving things Jackson. So we got all hands on deck. But I think it's just health and just continue to work on on everything about what we do. You know, because we can't. We can't uh, we can't put nothing back. We can't take nothing for granted. As as Eric mentioned a few minutes ago, we did an episode um, after the Penn State game with uh, Coach Garland, yeah. and we were talking about rebounding. And I said, you know, as I'm watching it this year, especially offensive rebounding, it doesn't look the way we're used to seeing it yes. from Tom Izzo teams. And I said, is that, you know, like a lot of times when you're watching on television and you see a shot go up on the screen, there's no other Michigan State jerseys on the screen where we're used to seeing four to the boards, you know? Yeah. And I said, I asked him, is that just a conscious decision that coach has made? And he said, absolutely not. No. <laughs> that is, that was no. one thing he assured us was going to get worked on over these, over December. Oh, yeah. It's funny you say that because Jay Nakins goes out yesterday in practice and get five offensive rebounds. But it's just like, you know, of course we're jabbing at it. But like you think, going back to what I was saying, I just said Jay Nakins, he's been hurt a lot. Right. And, and Malik Hall's been out. Been Those out. two are your best. Yeah. Yeah. Brooks is understanding a new role. It's about a growth. So we got we to gotta take advantage of our time with that. You know, like somebody like a Jason White, who I coached at Western, that's what he does. He going to always give us that. You know what I mean? But, but no, it's just, you're right, though. I mean, we, we, we're we working at, like I said, always room for, but we're trying to work at that. We got to get back to that, which we never stop. But it's like the lineups we've had, you know, now we we sure. went smaller with Tyson Walker. You know, Tyson Walker, he's never went to the offensive glass before. AJ Hogarth never went to, you know, so it's just like we had to learn different lineups. You know what I'm saying? So now and we're figuring it out because, like I said, most importantly, though, we're starting to get back healthy and we can have the bodies to do what we, what, what you guys are accustomed to seeing from Michigan State. This is a fun team. And I think, you know, Rod, I both had pretty high expectations for the team, which wasn't most player, people. I think, you know, Michigan State was picked fifth or sixth in the, in the league. And I think we saw, you know, really good guard play. They're, they're going to be, you know, a tough, a tough matchup for most teams. And to your point where you mentioned earlier, it's not a team that you can just roll the ball out and you're going to just overwhelm teams. You know, you have to play well and connected basketball, both yes. in both ends of the floor for sure. Yeah. I think the team's seen that a couple of times this season when that didn't happen. Right. How do you feel coaching this team versus when you're at Western? I mean, is it, does it feel like the stakes are more and you, but you can, there's so much more than you can accomplish. I mean, do you, can you just like feel that when you're coaching? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, well, for me, my passion ain't going nowhere. So it's like, you know, whether I was at Western or anywhere else. So, you know, the passion, especially with the staff and all of that, it's just, you know, now you just see, like I said, the stakes is, everything's right, you know, risen a little bit. And it's just like, you know, now, you know, I know coming back here, guys like AJ Hogar, guys like Malik Hall, guys like Joey Hall, all these guys, they feel like they you know got something to prove. They got something to prove because, you know, they they trying to establish something. They're trying to get things back. You know, they, they didn't had a year they wanted to have last year. So now with this group, you I get the vibe and a sense of urgency to where everybody they they realizing that they need everybody. They together they more together than what I they're together and they and they know that, you know, we can't have we need we need everybody to get, keep this chain moving. And they all understand that. And you and you can sense that because it's like, you know, you have times where, you know, tough battles and Villanova halftime, they coming together for each other. They they rallying for each other. Like, I just think those things are beautiful to see when you see them guys doing that. So I think these guys are really just growing right in front of our eyes, to be honest, as a team. Every day they're growing. And I, and I love it. Yeah, I guess getting at that maybe a little bit further, you know, you start the season, um, second game, you take Gonzaga right down to the wire under weird conditions and, you know, winning or losing that to me as a fan, at least that didn't matter as much as, Hey, they look good. They played well against a good team. And then you go out the next game, you handle Kentucky in overtime, but you get it done. Um, then you beat Villanova. Maybe it gets a little tighter than you wanted at the end, but you get it done against a great program. So you got to be feeling good about where the team is at that point. And then the injuries start to hit and you kind of fought through that. This might be a hard one to answer just because of all those things that have happened even over the last six weeks. But do you feel like based on how you saw it in October, do you think the team is right about where you thought they'd be at this point, a little behind maybe because of the injuries or ahead of where you thought, how do you feel you're sitting right now? Um, that's a great question. It's kind of hard to say that because it's just because it's saying it because I like to know how we are. We was we was we was fully stacked with the deck, right? The whole uh, Jay Nakis plan. You know, everybody's on on deck. So it's it's like you know, because because me the, the 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 player me the former player me the you know because like man, we was all healthy. Man, we'd be, you know, we'd be ten and one right now. You know what I mean, or you know what I mean. But then you look at it too. It's like, will we be ten and one? You never know. You know, because will we have battling issues? So I try to stay away from that. It's just the fact that right now, me personally, I like where we're heading as the you know win or lose. I like this. I like where we're headed as as a group. Like you said, I just like to hear the the culture staying intact and steady growing. So, because I think when that's intact, I think the rest will take care of itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, and maybe the, maybe the other thing too, which again occurs to me watching it uh, from a distance, is the maybe the silver lining in the injuries. And no fan wants to hear about this, and the guys on the team probably don't want to hear about it either. But maybe the silver lining is you've had to give minutes because you didn't have any other option. To no. guys who wouldn't have played as much. Yeah. So maybe in February, you like you were talking about the summertime, putting those bank deposits in, 
Maybe that's what happens in the end. Yeah. I mean, you think about it like going back when I was a grad assistant, right? Uh, when we beat Carolina and uh, uh, when we won the PK-80. Right. And uh, we, the game, uh, I think it was against DePaul or you I think it's DePaul, where Connor George comes in and gets like six offensive rebounds or something. Right. I was an example. Yeah. Like, for example, Jason Whiten's against Portland. Yep. He kept like two or three balls. We win that game with close game, but he kept two balls alive. We hit two threes on them. It's just like that was big. But it's just like like you're saying to the point where these times, Pierre Brooks extending minutes, Trey Holloman getting minutes, these times gotta help us on the back end when when you talk about getting ready for Big Ten play because now we have quality bodies and bodies that we can lean on and, and players that, you know, been battle tested already. Right. You know what I mean, so that's the, that is, that's, that's a great point. And that's a, been important for us. So it can be a blessing in disguise. I think we'll wrap it up there. Coach Kelly, mm-hmm. thanks so much for being on the show and, yeah. and joining us and best of luck to you uh, at Oak against Oakland and then Buffalo. And then when it gets hot and heavy in January and February, <laughs> in the big 10 okay. season. Heavy, heavy. Nine <laughs> games in January. Woo. Are, are you, are you, and I know you guys, we're seeing pictures of you all over the place recruiting. Is that pretty much your six days a week that you're on the recruiting trail or talking to players and try, if we, if we can fit it in, you got to try to squeeze it in and, you know, and try to try to get there. But yeah, we, we, we be busy, man. We, we at it. I'm actually getting ready. We finna got to figure out where we headed next. <laughs> we come together as a staff and think about what's the best places to go. So it's about, I'm about to be on the road soon. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you squeezing us in. I, that's uh, no very hey, anytime, man. We could hopefully we could do it again. So I enjoy myself, man. Hope you guys had a absolutely. Thanks a lot, Coach. It was great. Yeah, yeah. All right, you guys. Take care. Until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Yes, go sir. green. All right, now take care. Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.